Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. Next up, we have Grammy-nominated rap legend, master lyricist, and hip-hop veteran, Rap City, who recently worked behind the scenes as a rap coach in the new Paramount Plus film, On The Come Up, which is out right now. Coming up. I talked to Rhapsody about how she kept her rap aspirations a secret at the beginning of her career, the moment she knew she had a future in making music, and who she considers the top five MCs in the industry. Up next, Rhapsody. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose. And welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Download the podcast. Leave a five-star rating. This week's theme is the art of authenticity. There's a saying that goes, authenticity is the daily practice of letting go who we think we're supposed to be and embracing who we are. That's pretty easy to say out loud. Not easy to put in practice because the world is filled with people and institutions that like to tell us what path we're supposed to take and the nerve to tell us what trends we're supposed to follow. But I'm here to tell you something. It's important to find out who you are and be proud to do things your way. And today's theme really is personal because the art of authenticity. I did Jalen and Jacoby today. I had on a hoodie, didn't have a haircut. I'm doing NBA countdown tonight. I'm wearing a blazer. And I have a fresh haircut. Did you know right now in society, there are people that's trying to create a law called the Crown Act, which affects human beings like myself. Think about it. If you follow me since college, you've seen me with a Caesar haircut in a part, reminiscing of Larry Johnson. You see me with a bald head. You see me with an afro. You see me with waves. You see me with a cross in my head. You get the point. You see me with a pick in my head. Authenticity. Be your authentic self. Dare to be yourself by following the career path you've been dreaming of. Or by wearing that fly outfit. You saw me at the draft in 1994. Wear that outfit you've had in the closet forever. Remember, be homegrown not manufactured, not mass-produced. Be fearlessly authentic. My next guest is all about standing in her truth. Rhapsody is an expressive and fluid MC who has become an enormous force to be reckoned with in the rap game. Coming up, I talked to Rhapsody about the work that goes into her creative process how she lived off fast food in her early days of rapping and how she chooses to stay true 
to herself versus playing to the masses. Up next, Rhapsody. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. My next guest is a multi-hyphenate writer, Grammy-nominated rapper, has historic bars and has broken boundaries and established herself as one of the greatest lyricists in hip hop. She's recently working on the film, On The Come Up, which is about a 16 year old rapper trying to do right by her father's legacy and take the rap battle scene over. It is my honor to welcome the incredibly talented Rhapsody to the Renaissance Man podcast. Welcome. I'm so happy to be here. I, I need to take you with me everywhere so you can do the <laughs> intro. Thank you for that amazing intro. I feel on top of the world, Rocky baby. <laughs> no doubt, you deserve it. I'll be your flavor flave, no question. I got you. You know what I'm saying? And I couldn't wait to ask you and interview you, and I appreciate you taking the time. And I know so very much about your career and your background and stuff, but I want to ask the questions like I don't know anything for our audience. So I have to ask you, what was it like for you growing up in North Carolina? Oh man, um, it it was it was easy living. It felt like you know I grew up in a very small town in East North Carolina, like at max two thousand people. So you know I grew up in those towns and everybody knows everybody. Um, two parent home. I was one of five kids. A whole bunch of cousins running around barefooted. Um, you know, going in the woods and fishing. And I was a tomboy. I loved basketball. We love hip hop. We dig pig pickings. You know, it was, you know, it was just that community living, um, you know, but when it came to hip hop, I just lived through the TV, you know? So when did you notice, at what point did you gain interest in rapping? Uh, uh, it was when I saw um, MC Light's Poor Georgie video. Mm, kiss the girl that make him cry. Yo, that story, like, I didn't see it at my age. I didn't see it going where it went, you know, when she first started. Right. I was just enamored. For me, that was my first introduction to a woman that rapped, you know, before I knew who uh, <clears throat> Debbie D was and, and Roxanne Shantae and, you know, all these other women before light. She was my first introduction, and she was the example that was like, oh, there's a place for someone like me in hip-hop. And, you know, from there, it just had me by the ankles. Like, <laughs> there was no getting away from it. Absolutely. And as you mentioned, your childhood and your two-parent home and being a, a child of five siblings, a lot of times in our community, like Biggie said, either you sling, crack, rock, or you got a wicked jump shot. <laughs> so for us, our dream starts in our head and our heart. Yep. So what was it like for you when you started to acknowledge to your family, to your friends, to your uh, to your schoolmates that rap is something I want to do for the rest of my life? Man, um, I didn't let nobody know till late. I was in college already. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I kept that tucked inside because where I'm from, 
uh, we didn't have really exposure to the arts in that way, or we didn't know anybody. You know, like you might grow up in New York and you could walk outside your home and you might mm-hmm. see Biggie and Puff out there shooting a the video. You might see right. the man in the woo in the mall or whatever. Right. That was foreign to me. So, you know, it wasn't anything I saw as attainable. So it really was just a dream. Um, everybody thought I was going to go to college and play basketball and do whatever was after that. But um, once I got to college and got into it, um, I kept it a secret for mm. probably like three or four years. And yeah. um, I had a younger cousin and he was at my mom's house and he was listening to one of my songs. She said, what you listening to? He was like, Marlena. She was shocked. She was like, what you mean? <laughs> so he, he gives it a, the joint and, you know, she digs it. My mom real hip. So she she up on everything. But, um, you know, it was tough at first because. You know, it wasn't that they don't think, you know, they, they supported me, but it was like, how are you going to make money off of this? Mm-hmm. Parents, they don't never want to see their kids struggle, regardless of how much they want to support. Mm-hmm. And that was the hard part. So, you know, I, even then I just worked and tucked. They'd be like, you looking for a job? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you really want, you going straight to the studio? Straight to the studio. <laughs> and this was like, even my senior year, I started skipping college like real bad, like, EPA dropped because I was just so I was like, oh, you know, this I could really do this. Um, but you know, I, I got through it. Um, once I got my first magazine, which was the source, it became a little bit more real. Yeah. yeah, my mom, she she became super supportive as well as the whole family. So the perseverance and discipline that it took, because I always basically think that if something's very important to me, like a goal or a dream. I try not to share it until I feel like it's going to happen. So for you, what were those years like being a student, going to the studio, juggling your life with your schoolmates? What were those years like as you were getting introduced to falling in love with rap and introducing yourself to your career? I think it, I think it's the best described in two stages. Like the first stage is when you're in college and you still getting the family support, it's fun. You know, <laughs> you know I can still eat, you know, go to class. I can stay up all night. I was big on McDonald's $1 teas just to keep me up. You know, we was we was just some kids in the closet rapping, having fun, trying to figure it out. Um, you know, just, just doing it because we loved it. Um, and that was the fun and exciting part. But once you graduate and everybody like, nah, now you got to take care of yourself. It was still fun. Don't get me wrong. It's always been fun because I love it. But that was the challenge. And that's where the pressure came from. Like, man, how I'm going to eat today. And I mm-hmm. told, like, I remember a lot of days, like me and a homie, we going to split, like, we get like a kid's meal with four nuggets or two nuggets and split them joints. Wow. That's what we eat all day. Or, you know, my sister was like, <laughs> she, I, I was living with my sister. We still laugh. She was like, you got to get a job. And she kicked me out of her crib one day. And, you know, I used to sleep at the studio because I didn't want to go back to Snow Hill. You know, I'd, I'd get up and go to friend's place and take a shower. But, you know, when you're passionate about something, you understand that regardless of, of who can really see the vision that you see, you got to see it and believe it before anybody else, right? You can't take it personal. And that's what I did. It was like I believed in the vision. And and Knife was there, too. Like, you know, he, he helped out a lot. He fed a lot of us hungry mouth kids. No question. <laughs> No question. The legend, Ninth Wonder, big shout out to him as basically his imprint initially were where you got introduced to the game in a lot of ways, I believe, in 2008. So 
when did you hear yourself or write a rhyme or hear your song and know I'm dope? I got this. I can make a living doing this. You're sharing nuggets. Okay, you're sleeping at the studio. At some point, you had to tell yourself, all right, I got it now. This is going to be how I'm going to make a living. Man, when was that moment it really hit? It came in phases. Like, I, I'm going to be real. Even today, some days I wake up, I'm like, man, what am I going to do next? Like, how am I going to grow and ascend next? Right. They'd be like, it's easy to get it. You got to keep it. But um, <laughs> it came in phases. Like, the very first phase was the first time I met Ninth Wonder with, with um, my crew, H2O, which turned into Cooley High or whatever. Um, and this was like my first song. And he was like, yo, you're the star. Mm-hmm. All these, there's 20 guys. He was like, you're the star. And I just, you know, so that was like, all right, dang, I could do this. And then the next phase was like, he signed me to the label. And I'm like, all right, we about to get paid, right? I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Here we go. Never did. Got a project and boom, sign a Def Jam or whatever, and it don't work like that. <laughs> the game was way different then. It's way different. Like you know, you really had to hustle. Um, you know, so it, it was. I always knew it, but I think when it was like, all right, we here now. Like we arrived. Like for real, where I could do this for a minute was when I did the complexion verse. Mmm, classic. And after that, like I'm, I'm one album in. I don't know how many mixtapes, maybe six or seven. But mm-hmm. that complexion verse really turned a corner for me. Um, it, it upped them checks too, and it no it, it, it not <laughs> before Rock Nation reached out. Uh, Nas and Masterpiece reached out to sign me. You know, mm-hmm. then you get your first Grammy nomination by way of a Kendrick Lamar album, and then you meet Dr. Dre, and he's like, "You're my favorite female rapper," and mm-hmm. that's when it really set in. I'm like. All right, we here now, because you know, uh, during those those development years, uh, Ninth would talk to different people and, and and just get advice and just share the music. And Badu, um, she told him one time, she was like, "Your light is never red, you know. A lot of times it's yellow, you know, and mm. you through the motion. But when it's green, be ready." And that's mm. what, that's what complexion was. I, all those years, it was in a, in a yellow stage, just going slow and. and and cooking slow and developing. But when it turned green with complexion, it was go time. And that's, you know, that's when I knew. Absolutely. And you're, you're the ultimate definition to me as an artist, because you're a writer, you're an MC, you can rap different styles, you're a storyteller. I want to look back at your journey via social media, because when you were just talking and you talked about the hustle and the grind, and it reminded me how the game was different then. So do you remember which social sites you were using then and how you were posting your stuff? Man, I was on Twitter heavy. I was, I was on Twitter, <laughs> Twitter heavy. And I, it's crazy you bring that up. You know, I, I really didn't understand how to use it as a tool, right? Just trying to figure it out. And we used to do this annoying thing. It was so annoying. I look back and I was like, I know people hated us, right? We, I felt like I was like one of the first bots we be like, all right, anytime a project, a song come out, it'd be the whole crew. I started, I used to do it by myself, and the whole team got on it. And um, we were at everybody, at da 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 just copy and paste new song with the link. And we do that for a couple of hours. So it, it became a thing. Like anytime a project was about to drop, people like, here come them jam the folk. They about to shut Twitter down, right? <laughs> um, 
that was the first one. And I look back, I was like, yo, that was so corny. But for whatever reason, that's what Absolutely. I'm doing. Yeah. But well, now, like, as you mentioned, uh, Twitter has gotten a lot bigger. It's Instagram, it's Crown, it's TikTok. It's, it's so many Snapchat. It's so many ways for artists to, you know, get their music out and for uh, personalities to get their brand out. But yeah. for so many people that are fans of yours, like myself, I want to have you talk about your creative process and the time you put into your craft. See, what happens is we see you now and we listen to Eve and you on movies and you're doing your thing. But a lot of times people don't know the time and the energy and sacrifices that go into making a record or making an album. Can you talk about that creative process? Yeah, I'm, I'm very disciplined and very mm -hmm. cool in my creative process. You know, you, you probably relate to this as an athlete because I don't think we're too far removed in how we prepare for our, our different games or whatever. But, um, you know, I, I treat those those development stages like practice, right? You got to do a, a number of drills. You got to do a number of free throws where it all almost becomes muscle memory. And mm -hmm. to a lot of people tell me I'm a perfectionist um, in a yeah. sense. You know, like like the intro to Nina on Eve, I probably have 12 different versions of that one song by itself. Um, you know, for the album I'm working on now, I'm 250 songs deep, you know, and it, we're not, <laughs> it'd be like- 250 songs, Rhapsody? For one album. But, it, you know, wow. it's, it's just always sharpening the sword and I'm always asking myself, how can I grow, right? Is this the best cadence? Because- the beauty of, of, of art is, you know, you look out and it's infinite possibility. You can do and say and have different cadences. And I like to explore everything um, and, and leave nothing on the table. But, you know, I, I put a lot of work in it, like 10,000 hours to master my craft, even even, even today. Right. Because, um, you know, you go through those development stages and you get to this part of my career. and You think, OK, I got it. But I feel like we never stop evolving, even with this music. This movie, I'm sorry, on the come up. That's one of the reasons that Sanaa picked me for this for this uh, task, because um, you know when we were going through the process, she was like, read the script and just you know write me one battle rap, just so me get a feel for it. I got off the phone. She was waiting for like a week. She was like, just take your time. A week. I did it that night. I sent her like five or six different versions. Right. One because I really wanted it, but two, it was like. You know, let me just show her the range and just the options of what these characters can do and how I would approach it. And, um, you know, I, I think that's what it is. Just, you know, showing up like this is the moment right here. This mm -hmm. one moment, this is what we focusing on. I'm going to live in that and give it my all. So that's how I still approach everything. Every great artist I know approaches it in that way. And it's unique and not surprising because I listen. Two of my favorite artists that you mentioned today do the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Erica Badu and Dr. Dre. Oh, oh, come on. Right? Yeah. Right? That's and so that that when I asked you the question, you also said discipline. That was the first thing that came to your mind. And so for you, what has it been like as your career has evolved? You have so many dope projects, so many great freestyles, so many mixtapes. How comforting for you has it been being Grammy nominated and so successful that you never had to compromise who you are, your values, your voice? Yeah. Um, 
you know, that's that's what it's all about. You don't ever want to lose yourself in this business. Um, and that's one thing that I'm thankful for, even though it didn't come fast for me and didn't come easy for me. I wake up every day with peace of mind. And that's something you can't, you know, accolade can't fulfill, money can't fulfill. It's happiness and peace of mind. And to know who you are and still stand on that. So, you know, that's that's the beauty of it. That's what's going to keep you around forever because anything outside of that, you burn out in this business real fast. Anything mm-hmm. you do. Um, and, you know, I, I used to uh, have those moments, those human moments of like getting caught up in social media and in the world and thinking like, yo, I have to do this in order for people to think I'm successful. I have to be famous. I need that plaque. I need that Grammy award. I need this and that. And at the end of the day, it was a trip to South Africa that always realigns me and I carry it with me. I went to South Africa, 16 hour flights to a whole nother continent. Um, and I met a little girl over there. She was like four. She was my mom. And she was like, um, tell Rhapsody what you want to tell her. And she was like, I want to be like you when I grow up. And at the end of the day, it's purpose. When you have purpose in what you do, that's what it's about. And and that's what I realized. Like, yeah, I'm I'm grateful to be acknowledged for the nominations and to get the BET Lyricist of the Year. But when people ask me, like, what do you want your legacy to be? And what do you want your purpose to be? I wanted to be impactful, you know, mm-hmm. inspire people to uh, walk in their own light and never get jaded by this business of making us anything other than who we are, because that's enough. So, you know, I feel like if if you do that and connect with people in that way, just gave me a jewel, jewel and Ninth has given the same one. Um, mm-hmm. Like people either want to be like you or they want to be relate to you. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want nobody to want to be like me, be yourself, but I want to make music that you relate to, that you play back and you like, dad, I remember when I fell in love with this dude or dang, I don't like this dude, but this got me through that, you know, whatever. Right. So, yeah. So that ought authenticity along with your talent and your gifts to really speak truth into power. I'm a huge fan. I've been following you for a long time, but it's no secret that the rap scene is a male dominated community. What were some of the challenges and you're a black woman newsflash in America. (laughs) What are some of the challenges you face navigating your career and what has helped you overcome them? Man, um, I think one, even though it was male dominated, right? Uh, when I was coming up heavy, my biggest village were men, right? Um, uh, you know, I had Knife, I had Young Guru, I had my peers in Kendrick Lamar, Mac Miller, Big Crit, Absol. You know, uh, men were very, very supportive. A majority of my fan base were men. But when it came to the business of music, you know, it was hard to be respected as a woman who rapped like I rap, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in a time where sex was selling, right? And that, and there's nothing wrong with that. I love women that love their body, but that was the only narrative that was being pushed. Um, so it was like, man, making a space for me, allowing people to respect me for for who I was and not just... Uh, Throw me into a bunch of lists with other women like, yo, these are the dopest women of 2019. No, we are some of the dopest artists out of all. So right. you know, it was gaining that respect and, and you know, trying to go against the trends of what uh, this business was and the narratives that it was pushing because I was so left of that. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be that. I, I'm not a trend rapper. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, uh, I, I don't want to come in aggressive. You know, I just want to talk about things that Rhapsody goes through. Mm-hmm. I know other people can relate to. And two, the, another big one that, that really affected me for a long time was as a black woman, I spoke as a black woman and made a lot of times to black women. And there were times where I saw that was the biggest disconnect for me, mm-hmm. right? Um, not to say that I don't have a beautiful village of women that support me, but, you know, to think like, man, when it came to my appearance sometimes, or when it came to, you know, labeling me as like a hotel, or it would, mm-hmm. it would be women that would say that. And that would always throw me for a loop, like, damn, that's crazy. You know, so that was a struggle for me, um, just to even understand that, but to be graceful with it, um, and to see maybe... Uh, or try to peel back or learn, like, all right, what's really going on? Why is this happening, right? And I still ask myself that sometimes today. Um, this conversation that I like to have more, more about. But you know, those those were some of the biggest struggles for me. But I can say I was blessed, right? Yeah. Um, I didn't have to go through a lot of struggles that some women go through because I had people and men and a lot of. A lot of men, but women too, but mainly because I was on the ninth and Google that protected me. You know, I didn't have to worry about, yo, you know, the the, the stories you hear, of, uh, yo, you're going to do this for me on some sexual tip. Like, I didn't have to go through that. Um, oh. You know, they made sure that they protected me and they always put me in front of the right people and connect me with the right people. And we, I formed amazing relationships that, that made my path enjoyable, not perfect. But, you know, I'm grateful for. And also, I do a show on AMP Radio each Saturday where I feature people who a lot of times get overlooked by the industry. Mm-hmm. And I've had 25 shows. And just so you know, I've done shows on Ninth and Guru. <laughs> I've done shows on both of their influence and what they've meant to the culture. And so I appreciate as we fast forward that those relationships still stand strong. Oh, absolutely. That's family forever. You know, I love that. You know, we evolve as humans and we grow and, you know, we change and nothing's all never perfect. But at the end of the day with them, we always stand on love and respect. Them ever. I, I never, ever forget what they do for me and have done for me. Love that. Love that. And I know this one's going to be difficult. Because there's so many artists, I'm pretty sure, in the ethos that you love their music. Men, women, or whoever. So I want to ask you, who are your favorite five MCs of all time? Yeah, you would do this to me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to just go with how I'm feeling today. We're going to roll off the tongue. My favorite favorite five is uh, Jay-Z. Little Wayne, Andre 3000, Lauren Hill. That fifth is always so hard. Um, man, we're gonna say Biggie. Ooh. I, 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 Biggie and Kendrick, both. Ooh. That, that's in my top five for sure. And there's a theme to everybody that you mentioned charisma, style, and bars. Come on. You know, I love, I love a bar now. Right. Yeah. And I got to go back to something you said. 
250 songs. <laughs> bars, 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 bars. When we getting some songs, some mixtapes, some albums, some tour, what's next? When we going to see you? You got songs. You clearly got songs. Man, my fans have been on my head. They like, man. Where is the album? Everything. I'm asking you that too. I know, man. I, I said this month is the month of completion. So we're going to try to figure it out. It's just, you know, um, after I did the EU tour in uh, 2020 and pandemics happened, you, you, a lot of us just got to sit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When you sit still and you ain't moving around, everything that, you know, you've been through in life is like boom, boom, boom. And it's just like I have so much to say, and there's so many different emotions. And I'm I, I go back and forth with the label, like, yo, I, I feel like this, but I also want to put out this side of me, but I got this side of me too. And it's just still me trying to figure it out, like, yo, how I'm gonna come back on? <laughs> but but we're gonna get there, you know. Um, I've been making my rounds. I've, I've spent time with S1 in Dallas. I went to see Just Blaze in New York. I've been to see Terrace Martin in LA. Um, been in Atlanta. Uh, so we're going to get there. But this month is supposed to be the month of completion. So next year, uh, we should be putting out an album. Well, your talent and your hard work is undeniable. Your authenticity and strength is refreshing. And not only am I going to write a column about this interview, I'm going to also send you a framed copy of the column as well. But before I let you get out of here... No question. Before I let you get out of here, I have a rapid fire segment called Gone in 60 Seconds. You ready to do this? Let's go, Jay. All right. Very few people can say that this has happened in their favor. Your album, Eve, was named the subject of several college courses in North Carolina and Ohio. Congratulations. But if you were teaching the class, what would be the homework you assigned? This rapid fire, so the first thing to come to my mind, I gotta spit that out, right? Yeah, what, what would you assign? You're the teacher. Um, if I'm the teacher, one of my one of my first things I would assign, based on the Eve course, was you go find an influential woman and you write your own song about it. We gonna come back and talk about it. I like that. I like that. How about this? Since you're talking about influences, if you had to pick one of your idols to battle rap with. Who would it be? Come on, bro. Uh, let me see. You know, my favorite is Lauren, but I don't want to battle rap Lauren because I got too much admiration. So, <laughs> you know, it would be Badu because that would be fun. Ooh, that would be fun. Styles upon styles upon styles. Is styles, upon styles. Yeah, and Badu would eat. That would make it fun. And she funny. Me and Badu battle rap. <laughs> so talk to me about fashion for a second. Give me the look that you feel the most fly in. Oh, I'm a tomboy to the core. Let me tell you something. Um, I like the fall months because I like layers. I'm a jacket head. I'm all fade. You see what I got on pull yeah. So, you know, give me some of that. You know, some old vintage Tommy Nautica jacket. Boom, boom. You know, a uh -huh. t-shirt, hoodie. Um, you know, I'm into cargo pants right now. I'm real heavy in the... I, I, it got to be something like the, the tall combat boots, but the laces can't be laced all the way, you know? Uh, exactly. Yeah, but I, I've got to I gotta uh, have the accessories, so I'm definitely pulling out the Mary J. Blige and Simone Smith hoops. No question. 
mad bangles. <laughs> you know, give me the the ring, the gold ring with the initial on it and the heart. Give me the, the herringbone necklace. I'm a tomboy, but I'm still a feminine one, you know. So that's this is hip hop. This, this is, is the culture. This, this only represents yeah. the nose ring is fly, the bamboo earrings, <laughs> at least two pair. And How about this? Name an up and coming artist yeah. you think everyone should know more about. Can I get two? Of course. Um, Ruben Vincent from Charlotte, North Carolina, who's also my label mate on Jamlin and Rock Nation. He has an album coming out soon. He is a monster. Number two, Helen from the 914, Mount Vernon, New York. Uh, Nico Brim, he is a monster. I'm, he, I'm actually mentoring him. Um, and he, he's just an amazing talent. Uh, so we're going to work on his album. That's going to be out next year. Ruben Vincent and Nico Brim. Nico has is, is got that, that New York sound. I love New York, but New York don't sound like New York right now. But Sound like Puff. Preach. <laughs> you know, I'm serious. And that's what I love about Nico. He's dope, but he sounds like New York, right? And and Ruben is he's he's from North Carolina like me. Um, so you know, he's gonna give you bars, storytelling, both of them. Those two are my hyenas. Y'all heard it. Lastly, you wrote virtually all of the freestyles heard during the rap battle scenes in yeah. order to come up. What's your favorite bar of the movie? so hard so many but the one that comes to mind on this rapid fire is um it's it's in the final battle when Bree is battling um <clears throat> uh little Yachty's character um and Bree's aunt is Butch right she Butch mm -hmm. right um so you know he's he has this bar against her like you know he's talking about oh she just one of the bros or whatever and um Bree comes back like she say this joint her manning up only made it easier for me to see the bitch in you. And that, I was like, when I wrote that, I was like, yeah. <laughs> Drop the mic. No question. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. You're extremely talented. I'm a huge fan. Continue success. Looking forward to not only on the come up when it drops, but definitely your projects in 2023. Appreciate the love. Uh, thank you so much. And I'm, I'm Jalen. I'm a big fan. When I when I learned um, when I went on ESPN and I learned that you listened, I was shocked. I was like, yo, for real? Like you know, oh. you know the Fab Five. You know what y'all did for the culture. We we not. I can't leave here and not acknowledge what the Fab Five did for thank the you. culture. It, it changes. So thank you for bringing hip hop to sports. Um, yeah. The movie is on Paramount streaming right now. Paramount Plus oh. theaters. Thank you, man. I hope I hope this is just part one of our conversation. No question. We're going to have a few more, and I'm going to come support. No question. Make sure y'all check On The Come Up. It's out right now. Thank you, Rhapsody. Thank you, loved one. Last call. Last call. I'd like to thank Rhapsody for stopping by the podcast. She's one of the most down-to-earth and humble artists that I've ever met. And yet, she's a rapper who refuses to be a stereotype and knows exactly what she wants. One thing that stuck out to me about Rhapsody 
is her incredible work ethic. I still can't believe she has 250 songs in the vault right now. That takes discipline. It takes putting pen to paper each and every day so that your muscles stay strong. Yes, Rhapsody is a master at her craft because she's gifted. But guess what? She's also the hardest worker in the room. And that's something to admire. So I ask you, what's something you're trying to be disciplined about? Whatever it is, just keep in mind, motivation gets you going, but discipline keeps you growing. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.